Hello and welcome to Rose Tinted Black and White Television, the review show. This is where we review episodes from the golden age of British television, which is 1956, the Suez Crisis to 1974, the three-day week. And mainly we're hanging this on the ITC episodes of The Saint, and Talking Pictures TV are showing the black and white episodes of The Saint. We're now into series two, and we have two episodes to talk about. Uh, the first is The Rough Diamonds. Dave, tell us about The Rough Diamonds. Well, The Rough Diamonds starts with Simon jetting back home uh, on an aircraft, which appears to be totally unoccupied other than by himself and his pal, uh, who is Douglas Wilmer. I don't know anybody else who would invite me to share a first-class compartment reserved entirely for himself. I'm afraid my hospitality had an ulterior motive. Travelling with a hundred thousand pounds worth of diamonds is infinitely less nerve-wracking in the company of the famous Simon Templer. And Douglas Wilmer is a person who trades and imports and exports diamonds. We can tell he does this because he has a large suitcase-sized parcel which says diamonds on it. And the idea is that uh, he wanted the saint along just so that he could be uh, doubly protected, even though he felt that the security was, was everything that we needed. However, back in the UK... Uh, two security drivers who are going along in their, their security van um, come across a sign that says diversion detour. By the way, never trust those signs if you did see them. Uh, they're always a lie. Uh, I saw one today when I was working in Adwick outside Doncaster, and I felt like explaining to the driver, don't. It's a trap. One of the drivers, one of the security guards is lovely old Jeffrey Palmer, or lovely young Jeffrey Palmer uh, at the time. And, and they're cold-bloodedly shot down by the gang. And the gang have, have played that old trick of ha having someone lying in a road and pretending to be a bit poor. <laughs> I think they commit the schoolboy error of stopping at an apparent accident manned by Paul Stasino. Yeah, Paul Stasino with his uh, kind of like his uh, uh, very suspicious eyes, his uh, Peter Lorre type eyes. Some of us may remember him uh, for being the brother who dies a horrible death uh, in Thunderball. And he was the bad guy or the go-to bad guy in hundreds of other TV episodes. So they cold-bloodedly shoot the security guards, then very strangely give the instructions to get their uniforms, which surely would have blood and bullet holes all through them. Ooh, what a mess. Anyway, they turn up at the airport. Douglas Wilmer inadvertently hands over the, the big box marked diamonds. And all of a sudden, they're in the hole for like millions of pounds. Uh, they've lost all those diamonds. But the saint smells a rat and decides to do a little bit of investigating to see who um, in the list of suspects guest stars may be the, the wrong party. Now, Simon, why on earth should you become involved? Because you're my friend because two men have been murdered. But the police can do all they possibly can, aren't they? The police? Alan, the number of crimes committed in this country compared with the number solved is terrifying. In the last two years alone, there have been 15 major robberies which the police haven't got one clue about. Well, of course, I'll be only too delighted if you'll help. And actually, in fairness, uh, the villain's quite well hidden in, in this episode. There are some nice suspects. Um, 
Yes, he would be well hidden, except it's Douglas Wilmer. Oh, spoiler who, alert, by the way. There we go. <laughs> at the time, I think, was done a series of Sherlock Holmes. And this is a recurring theme throughout The Saint, is that if you've played a paragon of virtue, a policeman or a, a private detective on another series, whether you're... John Gregson of Gideon's Way, whether you're John Barry of Sergeant Cork, whether you're William Gaunt, who's Sergeant Gork's sidekick, mm -hmm. or Douglas Wilmer, you get to play the villain. Oh, right, you get to... In the state. Oh, right, okay, which which is a nice little switch. Um, there are some suspects, usually those people who are a bit short and snappy and a bit aggressive. In this case, our prime mover here is George A. Cooper, one of those actors uh, born bald, lived bald, died bald, uh, perhaps best known for playing the dad in TV series Billy Liar and the caretaker in Grange Hill. Uh, who probably kept his own brown coat, um, a bit like a very straight and serious version of Derek Guiler from Please Sir. Uh, and he seems to be the prime suspect, but maybe it could be his wife as well. Uh, and then there's also a secretary who may be dimmer than she looks. Which is quite difficult. <laughs> um, she comes across as being quite dim. Now, this is played by Gemma Hyde, who was obviously an extremely talented actress because... She plays this woman as being excruciatingly dumb. But she is another one of these women that enters the saint's life who is an identical blonde. Yeah, she does that thing of uh, which a lot of them um, seem to do, where they wait outside a building that he goes to investigate, where there may be some shenanigans going on. Um, and when the police invariably turn up, but a few minutes later, she's conveniently disappeared. Uh, and what they normally say, and I think it's the same line of dialogue in, in perhaps the same episodes, is, well, I was waiting outside and then I saw the police turn up and I left. She said, why? Why? Surely you should feel, if you didn't trust Simon Temper up until that point, because you've only just met him, surely you would feel in safer hands once the Rosers turn up. He did his usual trick of going in through the back window, didn't he? Yes, yeah. Uh, um, one of these episodes, the front door is just going to be open. Just try the door, Simon. I think you'll find that that is Portrait of Brenda mm. in the colour series, where he just knocks on the door and it was open. Um, <laughs> just by magic. And inevitably, he finds a body. Good punchy the episode as well, directed by Peter Yates again. Uh, so there's, there's <clears> a fair <throat> amount of fast-moving action and... Uh, for those of us with a uh, social interest in the series of the Saint, there's some lovely second unit work driving around Piccadilly and London's glittering West End. It's quite a tense. It's not a car chase. It's not bullet. It's kind of more car following. And then he drops the girl off. You think, oh, she's going to go somewhere else, but then she flags down the car that's been following the Saint. I think it's a big Ford Zephyr, I think. Huge thing. You don't smoke, do you? No, thank you. Well, in that case, this can't be yours, can it? Alan, come on in. I underestimated you, Simon. That was silly of me. Very. And finally, the scales fall from her eyes when Douglas Wilmer pulls a gun on both her and Simon Templer. 
But she she really needs a lot of convincing, doesn't she? That Douglas will yes. be the wrong gun. It's only when the gun goes off. Yeah, but then it all goes pear-shaped. And then the police burst in. I'm not quite sure whether it's one of those things where he was playing for time. I'll point out to you that Inspector Teal and his men are on their way right now. And Oh, here they are. <laughs> hey, that's convenient. Just passing. There's several other recurring themes. Somebody tries to frame the saint yes. uh, with a badly drawn a picture of the saint. They obviously haven't looked at the title sequence to get it right. It's really lousy. And of course, there are a couple of splendid punch-ups. Why are there a couple of splendid punch-ups, David? I think that if we look at the cast list very carefully, we'll notice that our old chum um, and ham-fisted fighter, Ray Austin's in it. And that's right. And he is one of the dodgy security guys. Uh, who presumably doesn't mind wearing a uniform with holes and blood in it. No. Another theme that we will see, I don't know if it's the first time, it certainly won't be the last, where the saint has a fight with somebody and they fly over the balcony. Oh, right, yes. Well, uh, again, one of those accidents waiting to happen. Uh, you just think, don't go out. If you are going to have a fight, keep it indoors. You know, there's other things to trip over and, and knock over and, and, and to throw at people. But once you go outdoors and you're on a balcony, it's not going to end well. Hits the pavement and uh, consequently is unable to help the police with their inquiries. <laughs> yeah, it's he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's taking the fifth on that one. Let's just have a quick canter through. Uh, we mentioned Douglas Wilmer, a lot of Sherlock Holmes-related jobs in his career. Uh, 13 episodes of Sherlock himself, 64 to 65. Or maybe that was actually coming up at the time what, before he filmed this, before Peter Cushing took over for the BBC series. Two rivals of Sherlock Holmes as Professor Van Dusen. On the big screen, the adventures of Sherlock Holmes Smarter brother as Holmes again. Gene Wilder, yeah. He was a gent in the Dargenes, an old gent in the Dargenes Club in Sherlock in 2012 when he was 92. Oh, lots of ITV and BBC single plays. Uh, he was in UFO, Interpol Calling, The Invisible Man, The Baron, The Troubleshooters, The Strange World of Gurney Slade, and has one Avengers point. Also living into his 90s was George A. Cooper. There you go, um, it's a brown coat. The, the personification of implacable, self-made northern businessmen, policemen <laughs> and officious officials across several decades. Um, 103 episodes of Grange Hill. Uh, elsewhere, Robin Hood, Sergeant Cork, The Bedsit Girl, Doctor Who, The Troubleshooters, Man in a Suitcase, The First Lady, Public Eye, Steptoe and Son, the Brothers, Crime of Passion, the Zed Cars, you name it, he was in it. Oh, he's done it. He's done them all. There's 185 acting credits on screen. Uh, and yes, two and a half Avengers points. Uh, he must have won TV bingo, or he'd certainly be in the front running for it. Vanda Godsell, lots of stuff. She played George A. Cooper's wife of a certain age. Who, a bit of a uh, losh. Let's use the word. Uh, she's a bit um, of a lush, um, but she is a potential suspect because um, she entertains some stage door Johnny types. Um, I think, is he a dancer? That's yes. He's entertaining. But she also makes a play for Simon Templar. 
Yeah, what she's she's got more front than Blackpool. She really has. Elsewhere, she was in 273 episodes of The Newcomers, as well as Sergeant Cork, May Gray, The Third Man, lots of single plays, and finishing her screen career with Riley Ace of Spies. There we go. Yes, yeah, Sam Neill's big, uh, big Bucks TV series. Paul Stasino, we've talked about him before. There's one point, but five cents and loads of other stuff. Knows how to wear a white dinner jacket. Yeah, not to be trusted, though, really. No. Gemma Hyde, yeah, she played the extraordinarily dim secretary. Uh, I think she was in Danger Man as well as The Saint and a few other things in the 60s. Michael Meacham, he was in Sergeant Cork, The Mind of J.G. Reader, Callan, Rivals of Sherlock Holmes. William Dexter, uh, eight episodes of The Spies and also 199 Park Lane, Adam Adamant, Softly Softly and Zed Cars. Um, yeah, someone called Ray Austin. <laughs> Avengers royalty and a guaranteed punch-up whenever he appeared on screen. Uh, 20 credits as an actor, 63 as a director. Jeffrey Palmer, we only lost him at the end of 2020 at the age of 93. Uh, he was in everything. 67 episodes of As Time Goes By. Uh, of course, Reggie Perrin. Butterflies, loads of single plays, Bootsy and Snudge. 18 episodes of Family Solicitor, which I hope was more gripping than it sounds. <laughs> uh, 20 episodes of The Army Game, one police surgeon, but four Avengers points. Oh, there you go. Click, 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 click. Um, Frank Jarvis, Doctor Who, The Brothers, The Wednesday Play, Adam Adamant, The Baron, and The Human Jungle, to name but a few. Um, writer Bill Strutton also wrote Iris. Six episodes of Ivanhoe, so he's familiar with Roger Moore. Yeah, big mate. Um, Some Doctor Who's, one studio of Avengers, and uh, guess what? He was a prisoner of war before that. Don't know whether. Oh, oh, oh. Um, One of the things I did notice about Rough Diamonds, and I would categorically say to to viewers and listeners at home um not to attempt this uh, but i watched it and i just wondered how it would would end up if you had a go at the saint drinking game uh, not necessarily when there may be simon templar type tropes uh, but just have a drink every time the saint does uh, I mean, a desperately unhealthy game to to play, um, particularly if you also mixed it in with smoking. Uh, every time the, 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 the saint tabs up, that would look really, really terrible. But he does drink an awful lot in this episode. There are previous episodes where we have sort of questioned uh, the state of his liver. and um... yeah, he, he, he really blasts his units. Certainly by Monday or Tuesday, um, he's gone way over the odds. And yet he maintains his savoir-faire. Yes, yes, yeah. No drunk driving convictions, nothing like that. Uh, it's all good. Never slurs no. his words. It is the problem that actually he opens on that plane with his friend, played by Douglas Wilmer, who at the very end turns out to be the villain and oh, yeah. to have been complicit in the killing of the security guards and... Uh, I think there were about three murders and then somebody flies over the balcony and there's there's quite a lot of bodies. There is uh, a high death count. 
But uh, yes, there is that problem about being a friend of Simon Templar. You may well wind up dead. <laughs> Crikey, that's terrible. Or in jail for abusing that friendship. Another friend of Simon Templar is played by Robert Brown, editor of The New Nation and The Saint Plays With Fire. Yeah. And this was the episode that inspired our uh, review of how Nazis are portrayed in particularly ITC shows, but also others throughout the golden age of British television. Quite often by Joseph First, who, uh, as we explained in that particular show, gets his comeuppance in an episode of Callan for having been... A Nazi uh, past. Yes, uh, which, of course, they never can put behind them. Um, so, Dave, explain what happens in The Saint Plays With Fire. Saint Plays With Fire is, uh, we mentioned the other week, uh, an episode where there did seem to be a uh, acknowledgement of a current political movement. And with that, it was uh, sort of like political instability in Europe, particularly in Paris or, or around Italy. So uh, it's one of one of those rare episodes where, again, uh, there is this examination of something to- typically topical going on. In this case, the, the resurgence of, of, of Nazis. Less than 20 years ago, we won the war against Nazi tyranny. And today, the spectre is emerging again. It's the same shabby doctrine. Race hatred, survival of the fittest, brutal intimidation of the opposition. Oh, I've heard it before, and it sickens me just as it sickens the vast majority of people here in Trafalgar Square today. And in some ways, the episode uh, resonated and and covered a lot of the same ground as BBC's recent series, Ridley Road. Yes. Who who may have seen it, but that idea of someone going undercover uh, to infiltrate a neo-Nazi organisation, the fact that some of the British landed gentry are also quite happy to uh, appear and... Um, stand side by side with the Nazis. Um, so anyway, there's there's a potential news story breaking because reporter Tony Beckley is is tip tapping away on his Olivetti, um, and he's got an undercover brother uh, at the uh, um, Nazi party. But the Nazis have have kind of got the lowdown on them, and then there's some horrible deaths in ensue. Um, and again. Uh, we've got a bit of a dim blonde in it, a bit of an irritating dim blonde who seems to be only doing uh, things for her own purpose. In this case, a sports car. Presumably you weren't at the big powwow at Wagwiz. No, I was always told to give away. Yes, of course, I forgot. You'd already been paid off with the sports car. Don't you dare get holier than thou with me. You have quite a reputation yourself, so don't you lecture me about integrity and honesty. All that really matters in this world is money, and I intend to have bags and bags of it. Planning on a little blackmail? Get out! I haven't had my money's worth. You haven't paid, and the deal's off. Now get out! And the idea is that maybe the saint can win her over and get her to play for the right side. Yes, that takes an awful long time. When people describe her as being very expensive and uh, let's give her a character name this is lady uh, that's right lady valerie woodchester i think her name is dave what do you think she actually does for that money uh well what we're told in the story is that she lures 
uh, Tony Beckley to uh, a big country house where the um, Joseph First uh, and the landed gentry who are earring on the side of, side of Nazism. Uh, he's lured down there and the saints sort of get involved because he's just driving past and happens to notice there's a fire. Um, I noticed that the fire appeared to be exactly the same footage from the burning house from the end of the film, um, the house in Marsh Road, which Talking Pictures TV showed the other week, known in the US as Invisible Creature, uh, which is sort of like vaguely like a James M. Kane film noir, um, but with ghosts. There's a spectacular fire at the end, and uh, sure enough, the footage is, is reused, um, unless they'd reused it themselves. Um, you know, it's that, it's that thing of where does stock footage come from? Who's created it to begin with? Uh, you know, is it like a naturally occurring element? I don't know. Uh, but the saint tries to rescue poor old Tony Beckley, doesn't succeed because a room is locked. Uh, then there's a very odd scene, a, an inquest, uh, where there's a very vocal member of the jury who seems to have loads of questions, very awkward questions to ask. And the coroner is finding them very awkward uh, because obviously they just want to brush it all under the carpet. Yes, the aristocrats have had a word with the coroner yeah. previous to the hearing. Did you work out who played the coroner? Because I can't oh, find a credit for him. Oh, right. OK, yes, it is someone who has... Uh, he's he, he gets what's known as an, an uncredit in this, even though he has quite a lot to do and say, because he's, he's the coroner. He's a big for that part of the story. He's a big uh, central point, And he is played by an actor um, called Keith Pyatt, uh, who uh, was 1902 to 1968, according to um, IMDb and was appeared in, amongst others, The Devil Rides Out, um, The Prisoner. Uh, the Reluctant Romeo. Um, and let's have a look what else we've got. Out of the Unknown, uh, The Corridor People. I'm not quite sure what that is. Uh, ah. Shooting, <laughs> hiding Place. Um, and the, he gets two Avengers points, you'll be glad to know. Very good. The Corridor People, I think I'm right in saying. Is it people who can't it, afford a house? Type it in and see who was in it. Right, right. I think there's only three episodes of it. Right, the corridor people, let's have a look. Short-lived surreal detective adventure centred around the exploits of security agents Scrotty and Cronk and their battles with the evil but seductive um, Siri Van Epp. Who was played by? Elizabeth Shepherd. Well, well, well. You've also got John Sharp, Gary Cockrell, um, Alan Curtis and William Maxwell and June Watson, amongst others. Well, 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 there we go. That's right. Elizabeth Shepherd, who was the first Mrs. Peel and, and perhaps the least successful Mrs. Peel. Because she only ever appeared in some publicity stills. Um, the original pilot that she made was cannibalized into the town of no returns. But I just thought I'd get that in as an Avengers connection. Uh, um, well, this episode of The Saint, though, it's a positive bondathon. Uh, in terms of what you've got here, because obviously you've got Roger Moore himself, and he later played James Bond. I know that because I saw him at the cinema doing it. Uh, you've also got Joseph First, who you mentioned uh, before, who was a head Nazi, uh, and he played Professor Metz in uh, Diamonds Are Forever, uh, playing uh, 
uh, Blofeld's kind of like sidekick. Uh, you've also got uh, Joe Robinson, who's in it, and he played Peter Franks in uh, Diamonds Are Forever, uh, which has that, has that big bust-up fight in the lift in Amsterdam with, with Sean Connery. Uh, you've also got John Hollis, the bald-headed actor, um, who, uncredited, appears at the beginning of For Your Eyes Only. And as you mentioned, you've got Robert Brown, who later went on to play M in the later Bond series as as well. So obviously this is pre all those films, but what a lovely little collective to have. And of course, Robert Brown had been through the entire series of Ivanhoe with Roger Moore. Oh, right. So, there you go. Big mates. Yes. Where we left it. One thing I was puzzled about, because uh, this investigative journalist has been lured mm. by the mercenary Lady Valerie Woodchester down to the house he appears to have been locked in his room. Then whoever owned the house seems to be quite happy that the house was set on fire. Yeah. Surely there's easier ways of getting rid of people. But the, the thing that really puzzled me, that if you're an investigative journalist and you're invited to spend the night at the house of a potentially mortal enemy, why would you take the manila envelope with all your evidence and put it in the sports car side pocket of Lady Valerie Woodchester. All right, yeah, that's a that's a good point. That's like handing your USB stick, your USB drive to someone. You say, oh, look after this for us, will you, gang leader? He could have mailed it to somebody. He could have put it in a safety deposit box with a note saying, if anything happens to me, all of that. Um, his mates who's gone undercover, when the saint turns up, I, I can't work out whether they're sharing the same flat or not. But the saint finds the undercover guy. Yes, he does dead. say he does say for him to, oh, it's okay, you can stop here for a couple of days while we type up the story. Clickety-clack, clack, clack, clickety-clack, clack, clack, yeah. Um, but he does give an excuse later on for uh, one of those envelope switcheroos, which we love so much. I think there was a bit of ransacking in this. Yes, um, uh, there was. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to search this room top to bottom. The first thing I'm going to do is kind of knock over this jar of pencils and then spill all this sugar on the floor because you're bound to have put something in your sugar bowl. Why? What would they put in there? And then Lady Valerie tries some blackmail. Very and she bad sees, blackmail. Very poor. Yeah, astonishingly inept, I think is the phrase that I would use. And of course, then she and Simon Templer wind up locked in a cellar and the saint plays with fire literally because he tries to get her to burn the ropes that tie their hands behind them. I think um, I'm just grateful that in this scene, uh, it looks as if Rog is wearing one of his lovely woolen jackets. Because if he was wearing man-made fibres when the lady is using the cigarette lighter, he'd have just gone up like a torch. As it is, he gets some very nasty he makeup does. burns. Horrible hand burns, yes. Which don't seem to bother him at all when he's punching people and stuff finally one of the aristocrats probably persuaded by his wife who is disgusted decides to come and shoot one of the henchmen who's about to shoot simon templar does the right thing and then despite having already been complicit with murder as, as i say people who want to be nazis probably can never be ex wannabe nazis if they've gone that far the entire script is a bit of a recruiting drive for radical left-wing politics isn't it because you have the corrupt aristocracy 
siding with a former Nazi war criminal. Yeah, we've just beaten. We've just beaten the Nazis. Why would why are we going into bed with them? Some of the interesting things I really liked in this is each. Uh, you, you may have noticed this is very subtle, but each time there is the scene involving the Nazis. Um, I hope it is Edwin Astley who, who composed music or whether it's source music. Um, but there's a big Wagnerian piece of music underneath. Each scene involving the Nazis has that kind of leet motif um, running through it. Um, the scene that we don't get to see, which is a shame because it is mentioned several times uh, um, because the police ask and the coroner asks, uh, you know, were there no servants in the house? And we're told that the servants had all been given the night off to go to a dance in Reading. And we never get to see that scene. There also was quite late because um, maybe they stayed overnight in Reading because they certainly didn't come back to find a smouldering ruin. Yeah, that. Yeah, coming back for work the next day. Oh, I've got to go back. Better get back home. I've got to polish my silver. Um, Oh, yeah, I've got them flowering beds to do. Oh, yes. I've got some clothes to press. Crikey, it's all gone. As I said, uh... The rotten English aristocracy and Lady Valerie Woodchester, who seems to have gone into business for herself. Yeah, but and she's still a little bit giddy even at the end. Though she claims that she's seen the error of her ways, and uh, I'm not entirely convinced. Lady Valerie Woodchester, blonde, you know, probably about five foot six in Hardly her. Pants. Yeah, in her mid-twenties, played by Justine Lord, who's a Golden Age regular. Um, um, she's in, I think she's in Seven Saints altogether, isn't she? Yeah, if you count the two-parters, because mm. she's the fiction makers, I think, is whether that counts as one or two, I, I, I don't know. It was one of those things that got released as a feature film. Uh, she was also in Man in a Suitcase, The Troubleshooters, One Human Jungle, 31 episodes of Compact, but most importantly, the Kathy Gale episode of The Avengers, Propellant 23. All right. Which was lots of fun. And that's actually set in France. It's one of those, because you could do that in the studio. You can just pretend that you're on the, the Côte d'Azur and uh, you can be sitting by a swimming pool and the top half of you bare-chested with your swimming trunks on because the camera doesn't pull back to show that you're not dangling your feet in the water, you're actually dangling them off the edge of a stage palette. Oh, the magic of the movies. That's right. Um, as you said, uh, Joseph First, um, who played the German Nazi instigator, the champions, Callan Doomwatch, the persuaders, Doctor Who... Uh, which was the underwater menace as Dr. Zaroff. Not to be the true. Baron, the Baron, three saints. Um, he was a baddie in Sergeant Cork and uh, one Maygray. John Robinson, two saints, 25 episodes of that Doomwatch-type series, uh, R3. He had form as a curious scientist because he played Professor Bernard Quatermass in the TV version of Quatermass 2 in the 50s. Hey, what the heck? Jeffrey Denton, lots of stuff. The Troubleshooters, Foresight Saga, not to mention Crossroads, Jason King, and on the buses. The Nazis had a few Avengers points for uh, Raymond Adamson, as does John Hollis. Joe Robinson has one studio-based point, and say the Nazis, that's the Nazi henchman. John Hollis, now John Hollis almost cashed in because uh, he was in Star Wars. 
He was in the Star mm-hmm. Wars franchise uh, and was in uh, Flash Gordon. So maybe he may have been one of those actors to be able to charge £35 for an autograph at events. It could be. I mean, he's obviously very striking and been in lots of stuff. I think he's in the Ipcrest file as well, isn't he? He is in the Ipcrest file. I think he's in Superman as well. Because he's extraordinarily striking. But as I said, he's got uh, four Avengers points uh, in various roles. Not all of them baddies, Mm. it has to be said. And producer Robert S. Baker took the directing duties on this one as well. Yeah, it's I suppose it's always interesting with with shows that are well established that uh, sometimes the the producers or sometimes the writers would be uh, allowed the opportunity to have a go at, at directing. In fact, um, Roger Moore himself directed a couple of episodes of The Saint. Um, indeed, as uh, I watched, I think it's the Escape Route, uh, which is the colour uh, version. It, it was very good. He actually kept himself in frame quite reasonably. Well done. Season. Well done, Rog. I think that wraps it up for The Saint Plays With Fire. Um, he defeats the resurgence of Nazism in England. Uh, and then he goes on to get involved in other politics in next week's episode, which should be something called The Well-Meaning Mayor. All right. Okay. All right. I'm intrigued. Um, when a candidate for the mayoral elections is conveniently out of the way, the saint will try to expose the corruption by offering an irresistible bait. Oh, wait, is this uh, a US mayor or is this a, a GB mayor? It's got Norman Bird in it, so I would suspect that actually... <laughs> Chicago. This is an expose of the corruption of British local politics right okay wow i think we're going to have to watch this dave yes yes we'll have to do our homework (laughs) screenplay by robert banks stewart directed by jeremy summers you've been listening to the review show for rose tinted black and white television we've been discussing the black and white saint episodes the rough diamonds and the saint plays with fire these are currently going out on talking pictures tv My co-host has been David Newell. Thank you very much. I'm Guy Morgan, and please tune in when Dave isn't doing the international globe-trotting man of mystery thing that he is wont to do this time of year. So it might be a couple of weeks before we are able to catch up on the corruption of British local politics during the 1960s. I thank you. (laughs) 